The flight deck is made possible by the generous donors supporting the Museum of Flight. You can support this podcast and the Museum of Flight's other initiatives across the United States and the world by visiting museumofflight.org slash podcast. Hello and welcome to The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. I am your host, Sean Mobley. I am honored today to present excerpts of an oral history conducted by the Museum of Flight of Gemini and Apollo astronaut Dick Gordon, recorded shortly before he passed away in November 2017. He was interviewed by museum volunteer and author Jake Schultz, who you'll hear here and there on the recording. In this excerpt, Seattle native and University of Washington graduate Captain Gordon talks about the differences between launching into space on an intercontinental ballistic missile and the Saturn V rocket, what astronauts do in a lightning storm, and what you do with yourself once you've been to the moon and back before you even turn 45. We were always so busy and training so hard for our own and we were in Gemini, we were flying every two months. We were kind of like passing each other going to and from the pad. Well, we were doing that in Apollo too. We were, uh, we were flying uh, every two months to accomplish the landing before the 60s were over and we probably didn't spend as much time with the preceding crews as we as we might have in a more relaxed more relaxed time frame. It's kind of unfortunate, but that was the nature of the of the beast at that time. Apollo and Gemini, the rockets themselves were obviously different and the ride was, was very different. The booster for Gemini was a Titan II and it was an ICBM. Its trajectory to getting us into space was totally different than an Apollo, and by saying that, the ICBM or the Titan was designed to get you into orbit at altitude at the same time. The, the old expression, a keyhole that you were shooting for, it, it got you up there at altitude at the right speed and then shut down. And it was fast, it was like a sports car compared to the uh, the old sedan and a comfortable ride that the Saturn V gave you. Totally different kind of ride. The Saturn V shook, rattle, and roll. I mean, it was uh, 300 feet of, of steel or aluminum, and it, it moved when it, when, it, when it flew, but it wasn't the acceleration that you got in, in, in the Titan. The Titan, when it shut down, it, it insertion was about seven to 8G, somewhere in that ring. The Saturn V was uh, shut down when you got into orbit at about a half a G. And that trajectory changed. The, the Saturn V got you to altitude, four Gs max in the first stage, and then a little bit less in the second stage. And the third stage got you to altitude, say 125 miles above the surface. And then it didn't have the speed, but it stayed there at a half a G and just accelerated slowly until it got to the right velocity and then shut down. So totally different rides. One other thing about our Saturn V ride that you mentioned, Jake, was uh, a little excitement during launch. We were struck by lightning 36 seconds or so after 
after launch. Never trained for that. <laughs> kind of unexpected. It was, uh, was an interesting experience. Uh, what had happened was that the lightning strike knocked off all the fuel cells from providing electricity, as it should. The reverse current relays protected the fuel cells and, and dropped them off the line when the overvoltage appeared in the, in the system. Once that lightning struck, all the lights associated with the electrical system, uh, they all came on, the, a whole row of them that Pete read off. We, we had quite an, quite an experience. I was concerned about the trajectory of the flight. Somebody from the ground said SAE to AUX, and, and I've always had fun with this. Uh, Al Beans gets credit for saving the mission because he threw one switch so the ground could have information. Pete Conrad gets credit for saving the mission because he did nothing. He sat there and looked at it. And uh, I got credit for saving a mission because I had to realign the platform once we got into orbit. So all of these things transpired during that period <laughs> of time. As a crew, you mentioned earlier, as a crew you were very close. What are your thoughts on, on your three matching Corvettes? Trouble. That's my thoughts. Three matching Corvettes and three young naval aviators that are trying to play astronauts trouble. <laughs> no, we had a lot of fun with those those two. We we did uh, we were provided uh, at least for a little while uh, those three Corvettes and uh, we became a crew. During Apollo 12 mission, you spent a great deal of the mission around the moon solo, while Pete Conrad and Alan Bean took the Intrepid lunar module down to the surface. People asked, weren't you lonely about the... I always answered that question by saying, you know, if you had known Pete Conrad and Al Bean, you'd, you'd have just been damn glad to be alone for a little while. A three-man spacecraft became a one-man spacecraft, and uh, that in itself uh, kept you busy, but I had tasks to perform, basically those of uh, photography and landmark tracking and, and navigation. So by, you know, the housekeeping and preparing meals and sleep periods. After <coughs> Apollo 12, with Deke's rotation, you served as backup on Apollo 15, three missions later. And then you were therefore slated to command Apollo 18. It was canceled because of budget cuts. And what are your thoughts on that difficult? Canceled. You don't want to hear my thoughts on that budget cut. I don't think you could. I don't think you could print it, Jake. Uh, disappointment, of, oh, yeah. of course. Uh, it so happened that I knew about that. We all knew about the cancellation of 2019 and then 18, and that 17 was going to be the last one. Uh, I, my late friend uh, Gene Cernan, who I was very close to, we. We uh, arm wrestled for the commander of 17, but I was hoping that uh, we would get to fly 18 together. We never did. Part of that booster, I get to see every time I go to the Cape, and it's horizontal instead of vertical. There is disappointment to it, but you accept things. There's disappointment in life. I was disappointed when I wasn't selected for the, for the second crew, and your, your kids always set you straight. Hey, Dad, that's the way the cookie crumbles. My second job, I guess, after I got out of the 
space program was being the executive vice president of the New Orleans Saints professional football team in New Orleans. When I retired in, uh, in 1972, I immediately uh, went to New Orleans and uh, worked in professional football uh, as an executive for five years before I came back to Houston. And, and that, that was an interesting experience in itself from, uh, from uh, spacecraft to, to football. <laughs> Uh, so, who were some of the individuals over your career that really stood out in your mind? Obviously, you start out with your parents. That's probably where all of us should start out. I think the next person in my my life that had the most influence on me was a high school teacher, chemistry and physics teacher, that got me started into the science arena of of my education. I was avoiding it. Uh, like to play, I was always in math classes, but I avoided his classes until he finally grabbed me and said, "You will take my physics and chemistry courses," which I did and loved. So that that Hans Rosewald, I I will always remember him. My family priest. When I was growing up as a kid, whom I I admired and wanted to become one one day, which I never did. I mentioned my parents. Uh, my mother and both sisters were teachers. I aspired to be a teacher one day. I never did. Even today, I'm, I'm inspired by some of the people that, that do their work and give of their time, the, uh, the amount of charity that exists. We're all, all part of, of me and, and part of my life. Thank you for joining me today on The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. Next time you are at the museum, explore our Apollo exhibit featuring an actual F-1 engine which powered the Saturn V rocket Captain Gordon talked about and a number of other super cool artifacts related to the space program. This was an excerpt from Dick Gordon's oral history. If you want access to the entire story, head to our website, museumofflight.org podcast, and find today's show notes for details. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with our episodes, and also please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you downloaded us from. You can contact the show at podcast at museumofflight.org. The oral history program is possible with the generous support of Michael and Mary Kay Holloman. Until next time, I am your host, Sean, saying we'll see you out there, folks. Music